We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Chanae Ogwumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by Indeed and BetOnline.ag. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius and Mike. And we've got a little bit of news in the NBA. There are reports that the from Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN, Shams, and a, a few other people that the NBA and the NBA Players Association are close to an agreement where the season would start on December 22nd, and there'd be a 72-game schedule with... The, we've got the draft scheduled for the 18th and free agency and player movement being uh, hopefully made available as soon as possible. Um, but they're still working out the details of that. They're still working out the money and, and all of that. But we're starting to see kind of the, the skeleton and even some of the tissue of the 2020-2021 NBA season come together. Uh, Darius, just quick thoughts on the, the report so far. Oh, boy, that was fast. Like we talked about this last week as a potential thing. And um, I think we were more on the side, like it, it's likely to happen in since that time, there was a, there was some pushback and I think very um, public negotiating right from the player side, especially that they would prefer to push it back. But like everything else, I think it comes down to money mm-hmm. and not only money for this season, but 
getting the schedule back on track for future seasons, which is why they're not trying to play an 82 game season, which is why they don't want to start after the new year, I think. And then my secondary thought was more just about, well, how is this going to affect the Lakers? They were playing less than a month ago. Like they played their last finals game three weeks ago. And the season's going to start in another six weeks, right? The draft is going to be in 12 days, potentially, and training camp in, what, 25 days? 24 days? That's just so fast for all of the teams, especially the teams that played late, late into the playoffs, but especially the Lakers from a mental ramp back up perspective from a physical perspective and i envision it being a delicate line that they're going to have to walk in terms of the type of ramp up that they're going to have and and the type of runway they allow themselves in order to get ready to play the upcoming season after such a quick turn around mike i know that you've been sort of crunching some numbers around timeline stuff and rest and things like that. So what are your thoughts about this? And do you see it being really disadvantageous to the Lakers a little bit or like maybe a net neutral in the end? Oh, it'll definitely be disadvantageous to them. Uh, but first of all, let me say hello, guys. It's it's a nice uh, we, we get to see each other on Zoom and it's a it's a nice sort of typical sports break uh, from reality. Sports has gotten me through a lot sure. uh, this year. And I know the three of us have been locked into the election, like I'm sure many of you listening. And, and you know, Pete, I think we, as we were talking about before, we just hopefully this serves as a as a just quick break for, uh, for sure. some <laughs> folks that want to get away from it. And I know that then the three of us will immediately jump back onto the television. Uh, but I just wanted to acknowledge that because I'm sure it's been on your guys' minds. The TVs well. might still be on, Mike. That may still be happening. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, things, are, yeah, things in the yeah. background for sure. But yeah, yeah where, where do we stand on this, Mike? Okay, so uh, I, I Darius said that I crunched some numbers, and he's right. I mean, I only spent about three minutes on it, so I don't want to act like I did a ton of homework um, <laughs> heading into this before. Uh, just some some quick you math. A, so, you need a board like uh, John King yeah, in, in the yeah, background. Karnacki, the just, just crushing, just crushing it over there. I, I mean, I too was a journalism major in college, uh, and in in part because I don't like doing the math. But thankfully, um, we have calculators. And in this case, so here, here's the the first way that I would summarize it. So take the finals teams from 2019. Um, of course, Danny Green and the Toronto Raptors going against Golden State. So the finals date end was June 13. Okay. The regular season, the 2020 regular season or 2019-20 regular season started October 22nd. That's 130 days off for the finals teams. That's typical. That's what, that's what you're going to see almost every year. This season, the Lakers and the Heat will have had 72 days off. And, and so that's the difference, obviously, of about two months, like less, a little bit less than two months. That's a so, lot, man. Uh, finals ended on October 11th, and it's as reported uh, right now, the unless things change, December 22nd. Now, to put that into context for the rest of the league, I just did the little, the quick math for, and, and you basically just subtract two weeks, right, for every team that went out. So for the conference finals teams, it's 87 days off. For the round two teams, uh, that's 101 days off. For the round one playoff teams, it's 115. 
So any team that actually played a playoff series, including your, your Portland, who lost in round one, it's going to be a quicker return than the teams that go to the finals. So that's going to affect everybody a little bit. All of those players are going to sort of get what it feels like to be LeBron James. And that's <laughs> right. That's what that like LeBron does this every year. He gets that little amount of rest every year. And so I think some other guys are going to be like, oh, this isn't that easy as LeBron sort of makes it look. And the last thing I, I, well, I have a couple more things, but just to get your guys' reaction to this, the teams that did miss the postseason, uh, right? They get a ridiculous amount. They get 288 days of rest. And this is, that's only, that's only, I think eight wow. teams total, right? Cause half of the Western conference ended up going into the bubble, um, at least for the start, those type teams like the Phoenixes, San Antonio's, they'll end up with 129 days off, which is about the same, Again, as the finals team. So it's it's those eight teams, the Minnesotas, the uh, Charlotte, Chicago, Knicks, right? Those those teams are have insane amount of rest. Everybody else, it's basically like they played in the finals. So every team that didn't go to the bubble is what you're saying, Mike? Every, yes, every team. Exactly. Every team that didn't go to the bubble and play the seeding games uh, and then and then, you know, out of the seeding games, right? Only Portland was the team and they just replaced Memphis. Yeah, one of the things I wonder about is how much that four month gap is going to be helpful. Cause I think that factors in, right? Is between March when the season was suspended and when we picked back up, it's not exactly the same as having, you know, two months <laughs> extra rest. But yeah. I do think that that factors in. Obviously, we went through between then and now we went through a championship run and all of the and it being in the bubble and all of the factors that go into there. But hopefully that's a, a little bit better. But with all of that said, there could be a, a rust factor to it, like not playing basketball and competitive NBA game for 288 days. That has never happened before. I don't believe, right? That was what the 99 season was the latest starting season, I think in February. And so maybe some teams that were done in April. Yeah, that's about comparable, right? Is, is a lockout season. Uh, and I wonder, you know, we did those pods, Darius, recently about the quick looks around the NBA, right? And who we thought would make the playoffs, who'd be better or worse. Does this, in a general NBA sense, does this season have more potential for, oh, this team made the playoffs, or oh, this team missed the playoffs just due to the completely different nature of it and, and the rest-rust factor? You know, that's a, that's an excellent question, Pete. I I think the fact that they're still trying to get in 72 games will likely make it so that you get a large enough sample that the cream will still rise, right? Like where I think you might see the bigger discrepancies is in seedings mm. and where teams get slotted versus whether or not they make the playoffs. Is right? that partly a strategic thing too? Because like LeBron jokingly said, I'm going to be cherry picking for the first half of the season. But we've seen in the NFL as well, a lot of the like the turnaround and the odd, there's been a lot of injuries. I, I very passively follow the San Francisco 49ers and they had like 14 dudes part of that's COVID a COVID outbreak but they had like 14 offensive players eligible for the game on on the other night right and so do you is part of that a strategic thing or is that just going to be like a result of how it's going to go well I think it'll probably be a little bit of both right so if if they're playing 72 games in a more potentially condensed period of time, there may be more load management, right? Which is strategic. There may be more rest given to players um, just out of general principle, especially for a team like the Lakers, where they have made a deep playoff run, 
right? And who are carrying a certain amount of confidence about what their playoff potential will look like, irrespective of seedings um, and standings. So I think there is going to be a strategic piece of this. One thing I wanted to say, too, is when you guys were kids at all, did you guys ever have year round school? No, I didn't attend one. I didn't attend one, but I, uh, I had friends who did. Yeah. No. What's that about? So, so when in <laughs> Mike's from the Midwest, Mike's from Minnesota. Yeah, yeah man, we don't do it like that. <laughs> so in my six, it's, like it's summer. It's summer. It's the only time of year that it's not uh, snowy and cold as right. hell in Minnesota. So like you're out, you're outside, you're doing camps, bro. The look of disgust on your face when you're like, what the hell is that? I, look, I love and, <laughs> I love and support. Out. I love and support school. Um, education is my number one of all issues uh, in all things. But yeah, yeah, I was like, nah, I'm not. We don't play that. <laughs> he said year round school. He gave the Scooby Doo look. Like if you could have seen Mike's face on Twitter, he was like, oh, like, like, what are you talking about? Year round school, Mike, for the un for the uninitiated. I went to year round school for my sixth, seventh, and eighth grade years. Uh, my last year of elementary school, and then my two junior high school years were year round school. And so, Mike, rather than give you three straight months off during the summer, you would go to school for like two or three months, and then you would get a month off. Uh, this is such a good analogy. Yeah. Interesting, right? And then you would go back to school. And then you and you'd go for a period of time and then you would get a month off. Right. And that's how you got your break. It wasn't all just three straight months of school. And so I wanted to sort of bring that up as an analogy to what a team who did go to the bubble or who did have an extended playoff run. It's sort of like year round school. Right. They they had a part of a season and then they got shut down due due to COVID, they got their break and then they went to the bubble and they played and then they went to the playoffs for the Lakers. They won the championship and now they get a little break and now they're going to have to start again, right? And I can tell you from someone who went to year-round school, you do start to get used to that a little bit. But there is still that initial period where you're like, wait, like I have to do fractions? Again, like where'd that come from? Right. <laughs> or like, I'm not ready to do algebra yet. Like there really does need to be a ramp up and, and you need to allow yourself a runway and you can't just jump back into it right away yeah. because you are not ready for it. Um, mentally, especially, um, I think the players physically will actually be okay with this at the beginning where I'm more concerned about the physical stuff is as the season progresses and, and if they are pushing themselves too hard or if they aren't taking appropriate measures, either in game or to take targeted rest days, it's stuff like that, that concerns me more. But to me, it's more the mental stuff is, is how do you recapture that? Right. And, um, that's where my concerns lie more with a team like the Lakers or even like a team like the Heat or any of these teams that play deep into the playoffs in really high stakes games. And now to return back to it where the stakes are not as high. And how do you navigate that when you still need to be goal driven? Right. We talked about that the last pod with the Lakers, how they were so goal driven throughout the regular season and keeping that mental sharpness i think was important for for them to win in the end and so what does that look like to you guys well that 
first of all, that is a terrific analogy. And now, especially now that I, I didn't, it's even better for me not knowing what that was <laughs> to now I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> I get it. And at Pete's point, I thought was also important about, you can't just throw out the, whatever it was, 80, 90 to hundred days that guys were not, you know, playing at that level during the initial stages of COVID. So it is unique. Two things that it makes me think of one to keep it in basketball for a second. Whenever I ask LeBron a question about, Hey, how you doing physically? Like, how, and I learned not to do that because it's always this. He, he doesn't even acknowledge that his body isn't being kept 365. So, right. he, he, so it's not, he's like, what, what do you mean? How's my body? Like, did I look tired to you? It's like, no, <laughs> you know, it's, so he, he really, he rejects the premise that there's something that you should say about uh, his, whatever he's giving on the court physically, because that's his whole thing. That's the main thing. Of course, the main thing, keeping the main thing, that means winning the title. But the other main thing is that you respect your body. It's your temple and you keep that ready to play whenever. So this type of thing, just like we saw in the bubble, um, I, I do think that LeBron is the best possible example for these guys. And for AD, I think it's it's amazing for AD to have this direct LeBron reference now, especially after his early career stuff with injuries and how to play through stuff, how to manage stuff, how to treat yourself. So that's the one thing that uh, I'd love both your thoughts on. The second thing, and I'll, I'll keep this more brief, soccer, and I know I kind of go back to that analogy a lot for people that are that are now have heard me probably say it on half of the podcast, but it is much more of like a year-round calendar uh, in, in international soccer, and especially for the good players that play on their national team as well as their club teams, where it's much more like like the school that Darius went to for three years, uh, year-round school again. I, I keep having to re- remember that, Darius. That's <laughs> yes. what it's called. Okay. It, yeah. it, it is more like that because you're there's internet, there's breaks, um, then there's back to it, and the season is super long as well. So they're, those the bodies of international soccer players are used to that. The question, though, and in, in the, the LeBron point and then this one is that most NBA players are not used to that. Most NBA players are used to the other calendar for their bodies. And that's all kind of thrown out of whack for this season coming. Yeah. So that's the thing with LeBron. I was so curious about with the bubble is I knew LeBron would be ready for the playoffs in a, in a regular circumstance. But part of that is predicated on the idea that he has a schedule that that 365 that you were talking about, Mike, where it's like, oh, yeah, playoffs start around mid-April. I'm going to be in this place. And before then, I'm going to be in this place in February and I'm going to be in that place in December. And it's just navigating an entirely different timeline. But they did that brilliantly in the bubble. And so that gives me more confidence that this different but also unique situation that they'll be able to navigate that too but i think remember how the seeding games went i i think that we could see some of that in the respect that well, we, we the, beat only, the, Clippers. the only point about the only point about the seeding games though uh is like they those were literally preseason games right they Where, were right like so they knew they and didn't count in the standings the... so, so I, you're not I, I don't know if you're wrong i'm just saying it's like a little different but yeah but look, please return to your thought Sure. Well, I mean, they, they did count in the standings in the respect that like it would affect your final seeding for the playoffs. Right. But well, no, the, Lakers the Lakers had locked up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right. We'd lock yeah. up the number one. seed. Right. Exactly. It didn't matter. And but that those like, oh, Quinn Cook is getting 22 minutes tonight. Like that type of thing. It may not be Cook. It may be somebody else. But I will say, though, too, that that's how the Lakers treated the start of the regular season last year in terms of lineup stuff. Right. Where the difference was, was their focus on like defense 
Right. And See, so we don't and entirely this is, agree from the lineup perspective, though. I think that Vogel was still figuring out what he had like opening night against the Clippers. Troy Daniels and Quinn Cook played and Alex Crusoe had a DNPCD. So I think one advantage that we have in this going into this season. Now, who knows what the roster is going to look like, but like Vogel's been here. There's something to build off of, whereas sure. Vogel was kind of getting a lay of the land in the way he won't have to, you know? And and so I could see us really, we talked in the previous pod about like really relying on our depth and that can help keep us healthy. Right. Um, yeah. but one thing we're going to, we're going to go to break right now. And when we come back, we want to do a, a little flowers segment, right. Where we focus on a lot of the behind the scenes, people, the training staff, part of a big part of the bubble run was keeping everybody healthy. It's going to be a huge part of next season is making sure that, that guys stay healthy. And so we want to give a little bit of love to Judy Cito and Nina, the video coordinators, and just all of the people who contributed to that Lakers run. So let's take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll talk about that. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. Like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it and fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash podcast. This is their best offer available anywhere. So right now, go to Indeed.com backslash podcast. Terms and conditions apply, and the offer is valid through September 30th. The wait is finally over, and football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So, Mike, from a outsider's point of view, we see the results of a great training staff, right? We see hey, everybody stayed healthy and but it's it's very much we don't see any of the process. We don't see any of the work that gets done, but you have a good deal more access to that than than we do. So I would love if you kind of set the stage for like what did Judy do? What did Nina do? What Stacy, all those people that are involved in this, like what are, how do they help us achieve what we did in, with the title? Yeah. So the, the entry point, I guess the easiest way for me to explain this and to try to take people behind the scenes is thinking about the, the plane, like the team plane. So after a road game, right, there's this, this group of traveling staff. And of course, everybody's watching on TV and you see the post game interviews and then, and then the team just vanishes and you don't see them until the, the next game. But we go onto the plane and in, in the front of the plane is the players in the middle um, is the staff and the sort of the second part of the middle are the coaches. And in the back, it's us and whether it's the broadcast side and, and all of the rest of the people back there. So 
Uh, Pete mentioned Dr. Judy Cito. She's the director of sports performance. She has this big staff and, and I'm talking like 10 plus people with Nina Shea, the head athletic trainer. Uh, Mike Mancius is, is, uh, works mostly with LeBron, of course. Um, John Ishop uh, works uh, mostly with Anthony Davis. There's Oct- Octavio Marquez. He's the assistant athletic trainer. Uh, trainer. There's Chatton Hill, um, associate head strength and, and conditioning coach. There's Ed Street, another strength coach. Stacy, Pete just mentioned the massage therapist. So these are all the people. And the the import of them when you think about that the only injury uh, you know and, and again and kind of knocking on wood in the past that they they had was rondo's thumb which happened uh, when he just got like a fluke thing when he got hit in practice right they there weren't all of the the pulled hamstrings the pulled groins those those injuries that you worry about when the players had been off and restarting and that's because a lot of these people did their jobs really well and the players uh, followed through on actually doing all the exercises and such. And, and by the way, I know that, you know, Dion had uh, the, the minor injury for that. So that's that's like that side of, of things. And then, you know, Darius, maybe I could I could kick it to you um, to get into the coaching stuff a little bit, because like you've got all the way from where Frank Vogel started is the the video coordinators. So that's John Pastoric and Drew Anthrop yeah. um, for the Lakers. That's Greg St. Jean, the player development coach, advanced scout, um, Quentin Crawford, assistant coach, Mike Penberthy and Miles Simon, like developmental coaches. Uh, we everybody knows Phil Handy, kid in, in Hollins, but like all of those other coaches are are doing lots of work and they like I, so it, maybe you could speak to what some of those roles are and how that stands out for people that aren't as familiar um that the coaching ranks go that deep well i would just say before even that mike like there were guys who got banged up during the bubble and a part of getting this team to the finish line was like between game treatments, between series like recovery, no right? And all of those things that are related back to to the training staff staff too. It's easy to forget now, but I remember Anthony Davis limping around on one leg in like game five and wondering, mm-hmm. uh-oh, Mm-hmm. Is this dude going to be okay going into yeah. game six? And, that, and, and if the Lakers the lose. Time. Yeah, that, in, in the pre, in the Denver series too, like there was a scary moment. Yeah. Yeah. So like a, a rolled ankle, a tweak here. LeBron. Now, LeBron's a different animal. I get like this dude, his ankle could roll all the way over. And then he like, you know, hits it with his hand and then it like you know, rejuvenates and yeah, that right. Happened and, and, a couple and of times where he did roll the hell out of his ankle, where you see the replay and you're like, oh, and then like, oh, just, like that's that doesn't yeah. look good not at all. all. Now, right? I would argue, I would argue, I would argue the opposite. I like, I'm because the play, LeBron, he, he he goes up, he lands on a foot in the ankle, it just like stops rolling like the rest of ours would because there's, <laughs> sure. there's so much in like insane. And I've, I, I, I've told this story sometimes, like when you do a, when you're and Pete's been there um, and, and Darius has one teams in golden state, when you're standing next to LeBron in the press conference setting, like pre COVID. And it, especially if he's got like his shorts tucked up, the, the amount of muscle sinew popping out of the legs is so apparent that you're like, okay, actually, I think I do sort of get it now. So like when he lands, all of that muscle sinew and tissue is activating to prevent the ankle from doing what it would do when one of the three of us would go up uh, on a court in Venice beach or whatever. So not again, not to cut off or argue. I'm just saying that like, it's it the, the body, the body won't even get hurt. Um, like it's supposed Dr. to Trudeau with the breakdown. I like it. No, it's just like LeBron's body is like the equivalent of like, well, I don't acknowledge the premise. 
right? The premise yes. is my ankle supposed to roll here. <laughs> you know, I don't yeah. acknowledge the that. premise of this rolled yeah. ankle. Like, exactly. Yes, yeah. <laughs> this thing. Uh, what? Like I'm hitting the pause button. We're gonna rewind, and then look, my ankle's fine. No big deal, right? But I just wanted to credit though some of be, because all of that behind the scenes stuff that you're talking about, Mike. It's not just like there's a lot of preventative stuff obviously which i think is is super important and people need to get their proper credit for that because the understanding around that i think is still not quite where it needs to be that when it comes to soft tissue stuff and making sure players are stretched and everything goes smoothly that's all at the forefront in order to make sure that players are available but the treatment and recovery side right to make sure that oh, this dude rolled his ankle or he got hit in the ribs or his hip is messed up. And we heard about that, right? Like Danny Green got hurt in the first part of that Heat series and he didn't look like 100%, obviously, but he was getting treatment and was well enough to go out there and play. And he was an important defensive player. The offense stuff wasn't quite there, but these are all things that, get you to the finish line and it's so i just wanted to make sure that we acknowledge that part too i do too i'd like to acknowledge that they were doing this out of hotel rooms right (laughs) right and i i don't know but i would imagine that the medical and health and wellness component were was one of the more complicated elements of the logistics of the bubble right like they back home they've got the ucla training center and UCLA health training center and they've got their facilities and they've got everything. They had to get mobile with that and find space to do that. I don't know if you guys watched any of JaVale's blogs or anything like that, but they're, everybody's doing this work. Chad's doing work out of uh, hotel rooms and they they just had to like figure it out on top of keeping everything in, you know, rolling. And they had to just figure out how are we going to do this here? And the fact that the Lakers were so healthy throughout the playoffs is a real testament to how well they executed that. In terms of Mike's question about the coaching staff, that's one thing that I don't think people realize is how coaching responsibilities are distributed amongst multiple people. Like, of course, we look to Frank Vogel as kind of the the head of of that, and he is. But part of what Vogel does well, at least my understanding, is that delegation and that, I mean, on any coaching staff, it's like, oh, you've got Thursday's night's game against Portland. You've got this against that team. You've got this against another team. But... Synthesizing that and pulling that all together is a, a skill in, in and of itself. It also requires that it's a people business thing that you always say, Darius, where yeah. you have to make people feel valued and, and, and understood, stand that this is what their talents are. It's recognition of, of talent. And I would love to ask Vogel one of these days about that time off that we had because yeah. he's so exceptionally prepared, Mike. That's something that everybody you know, really lauds about him. And he got three extra months to watch tape and delegate. And that really plays into a lot of Vogel's best skills. So the one thing that was cool, Pete, and, and you're right to point that out, was that during the uh, the hiatus, and are you, you're speaking about the, like between when COVID and before the bubble yeah. started? Yeah, yeah. Well, so, yeah, when it was suspended, yeah. Yeah, so he was, so he would do, um, I don't remember how many there were, but I'd say at least three or four Zoom calls uh, and, and that we were on. And like the first one, I remember asking him, like, hey, we don't know. And this is when we had no clue if the bubble was even going to exist. 
Um, but he still he had his staff. And I mentioned the two video coordinators earlier, Drew and John, um, who both played college ball. And mm-hmm. he, he he like he had those dudes already firing through tape of potential Western Conference opponents just in case. And so, you know, he didn't want to say what order, but I, I guarantee that they had like, all right, well, let here you, you take Memphis, you take Portland. Uh, and, and look, just in case Sacramento makes a run, just in case San Antonio. So they they did not waste any time. It wasn't like these guys all went on vacation. Um, the second that that happened, they were all doing advanced prep uh, that, that wouldn't end up you know, being taken out of the archives for for sure for months after that. But that that goes to sh- that Vogel gets the start of the credit for that. Um, I think Palinka as well for being in on those meetings. But, yeah, these guys, uh, Darius, were were grinding on that film. Uh, from you know, from basically the the point that the COVID season hiatus happened. Look, man, I will just say, I will just say this: that Pete and I lauded, and Pete mentioned it just just right now again. Frank Vogel's preparation, right? And I think us three on on this talk right now, we all agree that the, that that level of preparation and attention to detail. Will, will detail was was very likely a key driver in the overall success of of this team this year right like they don't do it without the talent talent's a given but how do you prepare that talent how do you communicate game plan to to that talent and how do you synthesize everything to make sure that everything is going in the same same direction and there is a level of preparation that you need and like I know coaches, head coaches, a guy like Vogel who came up from the video room, I know that he watches a ton of tape. But as someone who's done like admin work for high level executive people, I can tell you, man, that those people don't get to sound like the most prepared person in the room because they've done all the preparation themselves. (laughs) Yeah. Like, that's just not how it works. There is not enough time in the day. They, they do provide direction to, to the people below them to pull stuff together. But then you need those people who are pulling that stuff together to be very good at their jobs, to have the right eye, to be technically great and proficient. And there's all of this work that you need to do and in order to, to make sure the top people and the people yeah. that are putting that info together need to understand the big picture as well. Maybe they're not calling the shots, but they need to understand how their piece fits into the whole thing. The best organizations, it's like, you know, they always talk, talk about, oh, it runs like a Swiss watch. Right. And but that's exactly true. Like all of these pieces need to align. And everyone really does need to know their role and understand and, and take pride in their work in that role in order to produce the best work product in the end, right? Mm-hmm. Because whatever your responsibility is as an individual person, like if you don't do it well, something's going to fall through through the cracks and somewhere down the line, something is going to fail because of that. It may not be right, right away. It may not be like, and it may not even be in the way that you anticipate it, but when you're not on top of things, that missed thing, that missed item, that that just comes back and bites you. So I I just think it's so important, right, Mike? The way that it fuses also, and we've spent a lot of time now, the three of us, talking about how this this whole collective works between the coaches, the players, the front office. LeBron is such a good link between coaches that are prepared 
because he can then he can then apply all of that th- those changes like on the spot, and so can Rondo. And and I, they, there's you know Jared Dudley is another guy, but if you don't you know Pete, when you're a coach in high school, you can have this amazing game plan, right? And then you tell it to the guys, and you get in the court, and you call a timeout <laughs> at the ten minute mark. You're like, guys, uh, do we talk? We yes, talked about this, guys. Mike, that is the <laughs> biggest thing adjustment that when I when I got the job, I had all of these I you know grand ideas, and I, this is where we're gonna run and all that. And then I realized very quickly that it was like, oh, the first challenge is to not get these kids freaked out or like they get, they'd get so like, Oh, I'm playing in a, in a real game. And you know, people are trying on defense and uh, it's just a different environment and realizing that getting them to apply. And so I, I ended up simplifying my original plans were probably like 10%. And the more I simplified, the better we did. But with LeBron, you get to, and Rondo and all these high level guys that can apply it on the spot. You can get to really the depths, the coolest depths of, of basketball because you have those guys. Do you, yo, yo, do you guys, do you guys remember uh, the umbrella trap? Did, did you ever, have you ever heard of this before? No. Okay. No, I don't know. It's probably something else that just for whatever reason, I remember uh, like an eighth, it wasn't even eighth grade. It might've been like a seventh grade travel game. And some team threw this press at us that we had never seen before. And we lost by like 50, you know, and and it was just, (laughs) it was was just not, and it it ends up like at that time, you know, you're not doing scouting reports, right? It's none of that. This is just youth basketball um, in a tournament. And it just, it just struck me as like that, that type of thing um, that there is no, there is nothing that you can throw at, of course, LeBron, like it almost seems stupid to talk about it, but there were things that the Lakers threw at opponents that they didn't handle well throughout the course of, mm-hmm. of the playoffs. So it's not like even at the NBA level, you know, there wasn't, there isn't some Nick nurse thing that they've never seen before necessarily. Uh, and mm-hmm. I use the umbrella trap that people are probably like, what the hell is that? Looking up Minnesota youth basketball. Uh, but yeah, it's, it, that's, that's the part of this that where, Frank Vogel could really get his guys nerding out uh, and going back and forth. And then in the film room that LeBron said he was always excited to get to was because of that, because these guys are basketball nerds. And and then they saw it play out on the court. This is a huge part of why I was so confident during that run was that shape shifting that that is what underlies that shape shifting. Right. That ability to. I've always, I always talk about how basketball is that rock beats scissors, but scissors beats paper and paper beats rock in, but to be able to do that, you have to understand that this action or this play against this defensive coverage will work, but against this defensive coverage, it won't. You have to do this instead if they counter with that and making those reads in real time. That's part of like, you have a, a martial artist background, Darius, and that understanding your opponent and, be, and, and the leverage points and being able to here? close. I yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Darius is okay. Dar- yeah, there. time about Darius if people don't know. Okay. Yeah, he's a bad dude. <laughs> when um, it's time, it's time. OK, so if some if some media member runs up on me in Golden State uh, and, you, and you happen to be there that night. Then oh, I'm yeah. Good? If some shit goes down, like you want you want Darius by your side. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, <laughs> but so much of that is is mental and recognition. Like this is something I know from a high level view. But having that having grown up in that, that's something that. Like how how does that apply? That ability to understand what your opponent is trying to do and immediately recognize the counter that they're trying that, that you need to make. 
Well, it's like everything else that is related to like athletics in any give, given way, right? That there is a strong mental component to it, but there's also a, a physical execution to that, right? And there's, and there's a reason why you train the way that you train in any environment. You, you, you not only train to replicate game environments and to like, how do we, how do we want to push in a certain direction in order to leverage our strengths, whether as a group or as an individual, but then also put them into positions almost like chess where it's like, all right, well, I am going to move you here. And when I move you here, it's because I know you're weak in this way. And then when you try to counter that way, I'm already prepared for that. I've already thought through that scenario. Right. And, and this is like, I mean, this is why you want great players, right? Because the weak, the level of weaknesses goes down and down and down and down. And so as you try to push them in to a corner, there is no corner there. It's a rounded edge. And I'm just going to spin off of that. And whatever you're trying, trying to do, there, there, there doesn't need to be a hard counter. I just have another adjustment for you. And this, is, this ties back into the coaching piece because I think of Mike Penberthy. I think of Phil Handy, right? Now Phil Handy was like a front of like a front seat coach this year where he hadn't been in the past and he was more a skill development guy. But he still always wears his skill development hat, right? Like if you watch his his IG or if you go to He's a coach. Games, He's not a skills coach. He is a coach coach. Yeah. He is a coach coach and he is out there though with the players and I don't know how many times I've seen Phil Handy working directly with LeBron or working directly with AD on something before the game, right? In that two hours before the game time when they're doing their individual work. And then in the game, they're doing that exact same action, right? The player is in order to execute that. And it's like when you talk about preparation, you are stacking tools and skills on top of each other with the mental preparation point in order to get you to the point when when you get to the game, it's easy. Like that's a point that Kobe used to make all of the time, right? Like, like I work as hard as I do in practice so that when it comes to the games, like the games are nothing. Right. And Phil Jackson used to take that 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 same approach, like we're going to do this in practice and we're going to work the repetitions and, and we're going to practice the fundamentals and we're going to stack on top of those so that when the games come, it's just like this is second nature to us. For sure. Uh, it's it's a it's a great point. And the only other the shout out I, I didn't want to forget, um, Andrew Hank, the equipment manager, uh, just thinking about all that he had to handle. And yeah, talk about logistics, man. Prep a team, yeah, logistically, and like not at your usual facility, and sh like laundry, sharing that access with other teams. That there's a million things that go into that. At, at some point, um, I got to talk to him about that and do a piece on it for dot com or something. But yeah, there's there's some other people like that behind the scenes, like our guy Ro, um, taking video, Ro, um, yeah. for uh, for and just crushing it from that and photos and getting it all back to to Lakers .com for social. Um, and to spectrum like there, there's a lot of a lot of people like that too that don't show up uh, in it but um, but yeah man it was a there's a lot that went on there uh, besides that helps contribute in different ways for the Lakers to win yeah it was a group effort to pull off this championship and uh, I'm I'm so glad this is a this is Mike's idea to talk about this and uh, very 
grateful that that he did because yeah those those everyone deserves recognition it's really cool uh before we go uh, we'd be remiss to not at least acknowledge the election um and from a lakers point of view uh the both the team but also lebron uh really organizing the vote and getting people out to vote this is a record turnout in terms of number of people i believe the overall turnout around the country is the highest percentage of registered voters since 1900 um and so just a a shout out to the team and lebron specifically for for being a a small piece of that of one of the many many people around the country that helped make that happen no doubt and if you want to read a little bit more about that um just you can go to my twitter uh, there's a link with a conversation with dr Karita brown um who the lakers brought in and is she's just been fantastic she's the director of racial equity and action uh, for the team and just spoke all about the the connection between voting and you know uh voter suppression, racial equity, all of uh, anti-racism, all of these kind of ideas uh, that that uh, you know LeBron has certainly been supporting through more than a vote in different ways. And so if you want to if you want to get in deeper into that, you could certainly go and, and check out that link. But uh, but you know, really cool. Like sports and politics have never been intertwined like this before. Um I, I think that the you know what happened with the tragedy with George Floyd sparked um what we all saw continue on. The NBA had uh, had a, a real serious role to play in this. Um, with a lot of leadership from from the players, no more than LeBron. And I think that continued through Election Day and, and through through now as we all monitor this really closely, Darius. Yeah, I actually think, Mike, that it's it's a throwback, right, to like the 60s and 70s where you had where you had athletes like Jim Brown and Bill Russell. John and Carlos. Ma- and-, and John Carlos and Tommy <laughs> Smith and Muhammad Ali and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, right? Bill Russell, who, yeah who understood their position as black Americans and cultural leaders too, right? And as cultural leaders and as, and as leaders within their communities, as, as sort of role models and understanding that they could then also leverage their fame, right? In a certain way to bring about not only change, but, but because change is a long play, right? And this is something that, that former President Obama talked, talked about with LeBron James on the episode of The Shop, that, you, that things aren't going to change overnight. They're not going to change by next week. They may not even change to where people envision they want change to go in someone's lifetime, right? But you have to do the work now. and, and I'm proud of this generation of athletes, you know, not only within the NBA, but within the WNBA and, and NFL players, you've seen it in tennis and right. Like, like all of these different fields, NASCAR, even where you have people now standing up and, and speaking their mind. And it is to me more like a throwback Mike than, than it is like this, this like oh we've never seen seen this before i just think that the stakes in the players minds today has reached a point where they think the stakes are equal to what folks saw them in the past and that's an important turning point i think in this country and how we're going to navigate these things moving forward that's just my two cents on that 
Yeah, well, it's it's a great distinction to make, and I should have been more clear about it. Uh, clearly, athletes have and have always had massive impact in this one. Uh, you know, one that I always think of that isn't told enough is Jesse Owens, uh, just just taking yeah. it right to Hitler's face in the yeah. 1936 Olympics, and like, oh wait, uh, oh white white athletes are superior and faster, and he just blew that out of the water, and like that, the world saw that, right? Or thinking about Jackie Robinson, uh, right, and like what what he taught us and showed us. Uh, and, but like what I what I should have been more specific uh, <clears throat> specific about. So Dr. Karita Brown mentioned it's the first time that like sports organizations like the Lakers have oh yes you know, pushed very to important get, to to allow for Staples Center to be open like that that kind of stuff. So we would see um, courageous individual actors, typically racial minorities, sometimes white athletes as well, supporting them. But now you're, you're, we're starting to see that. We saw that around the NBA. Uh, and I think, you know, that can other sports organizations can realize that they can make an impact. And I was proud, you know, that the Lakers and, and of course, led by uh, Jeannie Buss and by Tim Harris and, and uh, Dr. Greta Brown, like we're, you know, we're, we're able to to help make that happen so that more people would have the chance to vote. That's a big deal. That was something that stood out to me from, you know, being hired on in, in June is when larger corporations, there's so much lip service that's paid to things like this, the thoughts and prayers and these really banal state blanket statements that we resist racism and blah, 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 blah. Right. And, and so being on the inside of a large sports brand, I've, I'd wondered, and, and, and Dr. Brown specifically, her workshops that, that she did and the different speakers that she brought in. We had what, 12 or 13 of those, Mike? And the, the level of depth and the level of actually trying to make positive change in a way that, like, there were several guys who, there were several people who were like, wow, I like this really changed how I look at this. And it, that was the, that's the goal, right? It's not, it, it's a, that, that idea of being anti-racist. It, it's that idea of being proactive in fighting against it rather than being, oh, we're not like, not it, right? Like the, the Lakers or any organiz other organization going like, oh, well, it's not us. So, you know, don't look to us. It's like, no, we need to actively take steps to solve this problem. And that's something that I've, as, you know, being part of the organization, that was one of my worries when I got brought on is that I'm like, how much do they reflect my individual values in a real sense? And that's been something that's been very heartening is to see like, oh, they're actually about this, right? It's not just a statement or a tweet that they put out that they have to for public relations reasons. Like the, the Lakers are actively trying to make change. And I'm, I'm really proud of that. Yeah, I would just say too, man, that as look, I think by just by the nature of this com conversation, if this is the first time you've listened to this podcast and you've never seen us tweet anything or say anything else, you can imagine where, which direction we lean on some of these things, right? So I think that's abundantly clear. What I would say, though, is, is that as, as we move forward as a country and as a society in the aftermath of whatever the election brings, um, I hope that we continue to try to meet people where they are in order to try to bring everyone along together. I think that's super important. I think some of the stuff that you were talking about, Pete, that um, in the terms of like corporations and, and, and are they about it or not? The ones who are seem to understand, especially within sports, Mike, and I think that this is the tie-in, is that they are 
understanding where their most famous or or like high profile people, like what their belief systems are. And they are meeting those people where they are, right? And saying, how can we partner together in order to move forward, right? And that's important. It's not like you're my employee, do what I say. It's we're in this together. And that is, I think, reflective of, of the power of the athlete in you know, the 21st century and and all kinds of other social stuff that is like a whole different podcast than what this one is. But I I think the original point that, that I wanted to make is we're going to continue to try to navigate this stuff moving forward. And and I hope that we do see real progress and and that that continues. There's so much work that needs to be done. So, right. Like yeah. I, I'm very, pr- you know, proud of the Lakers and proud of, of, you know, LeBron proud to be associated with the work that they've, they've done, but it's just like, just scratching the surface of, it, it's almost like a start of a new path. And we've taken some steps down that path. And I'm proud that we're taking steps down that path, but there are so many more steps to take that, um, you know, jobs, jobs not finished as Kobe said. So, um, with that, we're going to go back to watching TV. I hope this was a nice break for everyone. It was really good for me, even though I did not think it would be to record. I was like, what the hell are we recording a basketball podcast right now? This, this shit don't matter. This was great. Thank you so much for this, guys. Uh, thank you for listening. Hope this was great for you as a listener as well. Um, we'll be back in a, a couple days to get back on track with the three days a week. But until then, you've been listening to the Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. That next to the winner. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. Shot with his eighth block. An NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Freddy pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's Let's the move. Go. Two, Let's go. one, miss it! Unbelievable. It's over. And shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes! And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. Bad insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.